welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. This is Corey Lestoki. Sean will be joining me in just a moment. Blue and White Weekend is almost upon us. Going to maybe talk a little bit more about Penn State spring practice, kind of what to expect. A uh, couple of small headliners coming out of Penn State practice nowadays. Um, also, a new transfer portal commit that we mentioned last week, officially uh, joining the Penn State team. So we'll get into that as well. And a couple maybe other uh, recruiting news. So that being said, we're going to get right into the show. No trivia question this week. But welcome in on in, everybody. Let's get after it. Welcome on in to Hardcore Penn State Football. I am Corey Lestoki. With me, as always, Sean Kane. How are you doing today, Sean? Hey, Corey. Doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing doing really well. I know we're kind of... First of all, I want to give ourselves credit because we've continued to, to put out shows, um, even though my schedule lately has been insane. So we're, we're keeping with it. Not keeping with the Sunday release, um, but we're we're still putting out shows weekly here. That's right. We did have a Saturday release last week, though, so we kind of made up for it a little bit. That's true. Almost kind of two in one week, if you're, if you're going to be uh, picky about it. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> well, Sean, I will let you break the news, or the thing maybe we're probably most excited about um, from last week, the good news, that is, um, with a recent transfer, transfer portal commit, who is probably already potentially going to be playing in the blue and white game this weekend. Yeah, um, I don't think he'll be playing this weekend, um, but we te- we teased this last week, um, and that's the commitment from um, Maryland transfer Damian Robinson. Um, he we kind like I said we kind of teased it, and on Friday afternoon he announced on Twitter that he was going to be committing to Penn State. So. He was um, a top five edge rusher, uh, according to 24-7 Sports last year. Um, he was a five. He was rated as a five star by 24-7 Sports, and we all know we always take the high. Um, we always take the higher star ranking. I think he was uh, ranked a four star by Rivals.com. So um, he was a mid. We broke him down a little bit last week, but just to recap, he was a midseason freshman All American last year. And he's going to bring some much-needed depth to that defensive end room. Um, who uh, And they unfortunately lost Zariah Fisher for the season. Um, so he's going to be, so he's going to be even, so uh, landing Robinson is even more important now. Yeah, and I mean, technically, 
we don't know when the Zarai Fisher injury happened. I mean, it could have happened a week ago, um, and just they were trying to you know, wait for official evaluation. It might have, you know, who knows when that exactly happened. It didn't really matter because they were going to take uh, Robinson anyway. But um, I think the biggest get this is, and from what I heard this week in practice, is Idisa Isaac is going to be ready to rock and roll. Uh, come the fall, he's already looking pretty much as his old self. I think the the takeaway from this was it, it it made the defensive end room one we didn't have to worry about, and and with Fisher being injured, yeah, that kind of puts a little bit of a of a a sad twist to the end of the story. But I still feel moving forward, you feel better about this because you know it's not like it's a one time deal. Right, AK was only here for one time. Um, that that is not going to be the case. You potentially have two to three years um, instead of like a one, you know, a band aid kind of filler. Absolutely, yeah. That's the other big thing is we get at least you know all you know hopes we 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 hope we'll have them at least two or three years, uh, at least two years, maybe three years, um, and. That's that, that's that's the funny thing about the portal too. Um, I think uh, back when I think the first guys that were eligible for to play immediately were grad transfers like AK was last year, um, and then as uh, like Russell Wilson was at Wisconsin, if you guys remember that. Um, but then as time went on, obviously everybody could immediately transfer and play. So having um, Robinson for uh, two years plus. I mean, that's going to really, really help solidify that room, uh, especially when you see some of the young defensive ends that are that are uh, coming in for Penn State, like uh, Deny Dennis Sutton. Yeah, I mean, there's no shortage of where they are going. Uh, we talk all the time about defensive ends, though, and that's sort of the position when you look at the best programs they have really good defensive ends and not even necessarily all the time, but when your team has formidable defensive ends, you have a really good chance of being really good. I mean, look at Wisconsin with TJ Watt. You look at Alabama with Anderson right now. You look at what Clemson's had for a couple of years, especially when they went on the national championship uh, run. Ohio State constantly producing top-end defensive ends you have good defensive ends that really honestly gives you a chance to be successful. Even Michigan, uh, for that matter. So that is yeah, kind Michigan of, got carried to the playoffs last year by them, I think. Right. That that is kind of how you get there. Um, as far as important positions on the defense, defensive ends and probably corner are the two spots you care the most about. And Penn State, at least right now, is looking pretty strong at both of those positions. Absolutely, yeah. I don't know if Michigan comes out of Beaver Stadium with a win last year if they don't have uh, Robinson and Ojabo. Uh, they could win def- uh, two, having especially two great edge rushers could win you games and games against really, you know, solid programs, really solid teams. Um, and you really never have enough of them. And just store, you know, stacking. Like how we talk about sometimes stacking quarterbacks, you also want to stack uh, edge rushers. Is you just you never run out of them. 
Uh, you never want you, you you'll never have enough of them, and typically you really want four or five, six guys that you could really count on uh, in crunch time situations at that uh, at that position. Right, and we and we talked about you always want just in case somebody gets injured. Well, Fisher has already been ruled out for the entire season, so there's the first <clears throat> you know potential loss already. You hope you wouldn't get super unlucky moving forward um that you can keep guys healthy <clears throat> but you know you just don't know how this thing falls you might end up losing one or two more guys and you don't know how Isaac is going to be when he comes back and has to play you know 20 plus snaps and you know in his first game or whatever the case may be you just don't know and so getting a guy like Robinson at least in your program a guy you wanted to get from the beginning it just it feels like it, it almost feels like it's a recruiting win. It really like it get, has the vibe as if we recruited this guy because it doesn't feel like it's going to be all right. Well, he's going to be in the NFL next year. It's like okay, well, yeah, he went somewhere else first, but he's going to come back and pl- end up playing majority of his football at Penn State, and it just kind of gives it more of a a win instead of like necessarily just patching patching a hole. Oh, it absolutely is. Um, and it's he's from Maryland. Um. And he was the star of Maryland's recruiting class last year. And I know Penn State fans don't like to say Maryland's our rival, quote unquote, you know, quote unquote rival. But they are a team that we go head to head against um, in recruiting quite often, especially in the DMV area. So getting a guy with sophomore eligibility uh, on campus um, who, you know, was had a pretty solid year for a freshman um last year uh that's a that that's huge that's huge to add that to to such an important room yeah i i i don't think it's i mean we talked a little bit about maryland before last episode i believe and how things don't look to be going well over there i think we texted a little bit after the show too or, or i don't know when maybe it was even before the, the show um but I don't really know what's going on over there, but the more you can rack up wins, and we know Franklin loves to recruit that area. He has a lot of connections to that area because uh, back when he coached there. So he has the connections in that area. You can almost make the argument he has better connections there than he does in some parts of Philadelphia. I think it just it, it just kind of like it reiterates kind of the pecking order in the Big Ten East. And we see Michigan, we see Ohio State go into Jersey a lot and, and take guys but Penn State's done a really good job with that one part of Virginia and also Maryland. So th- that's one part where Franklin can, can kind of, you know, say, hey, we're, we're, we are dominating this part of the recruiting area. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Brent Pry recruited that area really well. So it's um, – and I'm like you, I view this as like a recruiting win. It was big to be able to go down in there and, and uh, pull him out of – and pull him out of Maryland. So yeah, big kudos to the staff. This is a, this is a really, really big pickup and I think it's going to pay dividends for the next few years to come. Well, let's talk about another guy who Penn state flipped, um, and in tier offensive lineman, Ben Hartman, uh, from Georgia was going to walk on at Oregon and decided, Hey, I'm going to come to Penn state instead. So kind of out of the blue um but i think this was sort of happened because of where penn state is depth wise and they need more bodies 
and they're going to go ahead and get this guy, Ben Hartman. Uh, like I said, originally he was supposed to go to Oregon and has now flipped to Penn State. That's, you know, a welcome surprise. You don't really hear about preferred walk-ons uh, flipping very much, but, you know, we'll definitely take it because we need all the help we can get at the offensive line spot. Yeah, I think we'll talk a little bit more later on when we start kind of talking a little bit blue and white, but the offensive line depth, a, a big issue right now, um, and something that it's kind of probably hinder the fan experience at, at the very least for this weekend. I just don't see how they can really play 100% live scrimmage for the entire game. Yeah, um, I know Franklin touched on that last week, um, and it's a little bit, concerning that um he said you know typically uh, i'm paraphrasing a little typically you have ones twos threes um we only have one unit right now on the offensive line and um that's that that's what they would call not ideal Corey. no not ideal at all bob um that, that's just not how you kind of want it kind of it's weird because I guess it would have technically been in January, February, when some of these guys were transferring that were backup offensive linemen. But now you're looking at, like, man, just having the bodies would have been nice right now. And some of those guys, you don't blame them. They got scholarships somewhere else. They got to finish, you know, and getting to play uh, while, you know, maybe getting their graduate degree and something. So you can't blame them or anything. But Matt, right now you're like, man, I wish we had just a couple more bodies because they just don't have them right now. So. And I mean, it does sound like to me a lot of the injuries aren't very serious. And we're plot like with uh, Bryce Effner, um, I don't think he's played all spring. Uh, Slim warmly still working his way back, but he should be available by the fall. Uh, Landon Tangwall has been in and out of practice, so he's been dealing with something. And plus, we have Hunter Norzad coming in um, in the summer. All that being said, you still don't want uh, to just have a an offensive line that's uh, just being held together by uh, birdseed and gum right now. Well, speaking of offensive linemen, I'm just going to throw this out there because he did visit Penn State multiple times in his recruitment, and that was R.J. Adams, another interior offensive lineman, committed to Kentucky, part of the 2020 class. Penn State did recruit him. Uh, he was a three-star out of Virginia. He has entered the transfer portal and maybe looking to head north maybe uh still technically has four years of eligibility sean so another guy if, if they're looking to add more just bodies to that room rj adams maybe somebody i i, I would probably put it a, a fairly small chance that happens but hey you already have a relationship with him i feel like franklin always is scared to go after guys in a portal that he doesn't know because it takes time to know you kind of already have him vetted. You you liked him enough for him to be around the program before. Um, if that relationship's still there, I don't know why you wouldn't at least give him a call. Sure, yeah, definitely. And Penn State was heavily involved with his uh, recruitment, um, and he has like he, he has uh, he tweeted out today he has four years of eligibility left. So I think you'd be crazy not to put um, put a call out to him. Um, and I really think like by by the summer, and I know it looks grim right now uh, with with the depth. I'd be feeling, I want to say optimistic, but I'd be feeling okay with where we are on the offensive line. Um, 
And that might be sacrilegious to say as a Penn State fan that I'd be feeling okay about the offensive line. But, you know, you'd have what you feel like is a solid left side of the line with uh, Olu and um, Tangwall. Uh, with Juice Scruggs, who I thought played pretty well last year. And then you, you'll feel better about that right side of the line, too, that maybe they'll be able to figure it out with Caden Wallace, who just needs that potential to be untapped. And uh, you hope, and then you see Adams and Norzad battle it out for that other guard spot with Salim Warmly. Right, and I think Warmly has had a couple, um, or I'm sorry, well, he's coming back from injury, but I think he's been been handling quite a bit of snaps since he's come back. I think maybe a little bit more than they've wanted him to, to maybe play this early on. But, um, yeah, I mean, they have the bodies. And I see what you're saying because when it comes to offensive linemen, if you know their names, that most likely means they've been around the program long enough to where they should be able to contribute. Because when you think of offensive linemen, unless you're listening to this podcast religiously, you probably, and even if you are, I mean, it's one thing for these guys to come in and be recruited as four or five star guys, especially in this last class and this upcoming class. But then they go into the program and a lot of the times with an offensive lineman and how really a healthy offensive line program should be, you really shouldn't hear from them for another two years. I mean, they should fall to the wayside, come back as juniors, redshirt sophomores, and then maybe start peeking into the into the two deep. That's that means you have a healthy offensive line program or and if that isn't the case, either you're you're not healthy and you lack depth or one guy isn't just a stud, but that doesn't really happen that often when it comes to offensive linemen. No, I totally agree. Um, uh, and there's, you know, there's a standard for what you want in an offensive line um, and what you want uh, developing offensive linemen. And typically they're not ready to play until year three. Uh, and th- th- that's not like a hard and fast rule either. Um but you want to be able to develop and, um, you know, get their bodies ready and, you know, and then by, you know, their redshirt sophomore year, their junior year, they're ready to step in and go and hopefully be able to help you win a lot of games. Let's move on to Jameel Lyons moving up his uh, commitment date substantially. He's been at Penn State twice now in the last week or two. Uh, I I think he has like three, four crystal balls. I mean, everyone's reporting Penn State, Penn State, Penn State. Most likely going to have another commitment this, I believe it's this Friday. Uh, Another addition, a linebacker to this class, Sean. Yeah, it looks like he's going to be going to Penn State, which is awesome. Uh, He's uh, one of those, he's, um, I believe, yes, he's a Philly guy. He's from Roman Catholic. Um, and he has three uh, crystal balls in, and yeah, they seem to be, he seems to really, really like getting after the quarterback. Uh, he ran a pretty solid 40 time uh, in the low four eights. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to hopefully, hopefully, God willing, get him on board. He was originally supposed to commit in August, but he, he said after having a conversation with his mother, he uh, moved it up. So hopefully going into blue-white weekend, uh, Penn State could have some momentum on the recruiting trail. Yeah, I do want to mention another linebacker in Trotter uh, committed to West Virginia, three-star guy committed to West Virginia. So kind of – I know Rojas is still out there, but it's 
I see. I feel like there's a little bit of pressure right now from Penn State to start bringing in some. We talked a lot, I think, last week about start bringing in some of these defensive guys. I think it's and maybe this just needs a little momentum. Maybe you get you get him on board and now start some other guys start feeling comfortable to start to commit because you know some guys are most likely eventually going to commit. Um, they're just not there yet, but maybe it just takes one or two to kind of get that ball rolling. And you're exactly right. Uh, there's a big debate uh, in, in life about whether momentum is real. Well, momentum is definitely real on the, on the recruiting trail. Um, I remember last year, I think in the month of July, Penn State had something like eight or nine guys commit within a week. Like, that's the way this happens. And if you could get a guy, a really solid player like Lyons on board to kickstart that deep, that um, that side of the ball, I think it's very, very possible. Uh, and I know they're sitting in a pretty good place right now with a number of guys on the defensive side of the ball. And um, I think getting Lyons on board would uh, really help in getting and in, uh, in keying that side of the ball. I agree. I agree. I do want to say throw at least one more note out there before I turn to uh, Rodney Gallagher, 2023, really kind of one of the top guys, um, number two in the state, 104th nationally, says he will be dropping his top eight soon. So I expect Penn State to be in that top eight. Um, but just another guy where – um, Penn State's hanging around, and, and another guy from Pennsylvania, you expect Penn State to be in the running um, until the very end. Yeah, I, that's another guy that I think Penn State has an excellent chance at, at, at landing. But we'll just, have to, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. I think Penn State overall right now in the 2023 class is, is looking strong. I, I don't know where it's really going to 100% end up. I saw Ohio State had a pretty good weekend this past week, and I think they jumped ahead of Penn State now. Um, in the Big Ten rankings, but I mean, by all means, if you're recruiting anywhere near Ohio State, you're you're in the right company. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, they um, and Ohio State's going to do what Ohio State does. They're Ohio State for a reason, and a big reason is they're able to bring to bring the recruits in. Um, I do want to note for uh, the class of 2024 uh, the number the number two quarterback. Uh, Jaden Davis was on campus this past week, and it seemed like he had he's from uh, North Carolina, and he said he loved his time there. So that'll be something that he'll be somebody to keep an eye on for um, the next few years. Right, and I, I'm not going to throw the exact quote out there because I think that's technically behind a paywall. But uh, ba- basically, he had a good a good time, and don't want to get too excited about the potential because you know how many great quarterbacks are currently on campus. Um, but, I mean, it's never a bad thing. And I just come back to, Sean, how much of this is Mike Yersich? Because it just seems right now quarterbacks are really enjoying their visits to Penn State, and Penn State's recruiting of quarterbacks has never been better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's – I don't want to say it's 100% Mike Yersich, but because Penn State has – James Franklin is a very, very good recruiter by himself – but the knock on James Franklin until this past year with Drew Aller was he couldn't bring the blue chip quarterback in. And he had them committed before. He had Brandon Wimbush committed before. Um, he had Justin Fields, I almost forgot his name, uh, committed before. And he just wasn't able to reel those guys in. And having Yersich there just from a recruiting standpoint 
um, that's that's gigantic. Um, and you and I do. I, I was I was just talking to somebody today about Yersich. Um, I do feel like it's going to translate on the field soon because he's been so successful everywhere else he's been. Right. I, again, it comes back to, and this is kind of maybe a good segue into what I wanted to talk about next, is can he say, you know what, I and be comfortable with running the ball and just saying we're going to run the ball? Because I don't know if Yersich is at that point, even if that was an option. Obviously, last year it wasn't an option anyway. Um, but, hey, Kevon Lee was just interviewed the other day and talking about how they have – um, had more success in the running game this spring, and that uh, they've been working on short yardage situation. Heck, I think he even mentioned running the ball in third and long. So they're trying to, and I guess they feel more optimistic about it already. Obviously, Penn State fans aren't going to be feeling the same way until the fall hits. But, hey, it looks like they're going to try to run the rock, and your potential day one starter is saying things are looking better. Yeah, I mean, that that's great to hear. Um, and Franklin talked after practice about how he's been pleased with how the running uh with where the run game running game is at uh right now so you know we just gotta wait and see and i've seen penn state teams as you know something even in 2020 penn state had games where we ran the ball well um 2020 obviously was not what we wanted but they weren't like last year running the ball where it was just completely anemic. And in 2019, I thought we ran the ball really, really well. So they've shown that they could do it. Uh, well, that uh, they've shown that they could do it under James Franklin. These particular guys um, still have a lot to prove. Um, but I think there's, there's a possible, I think there's a decent possibility and I think it will happen that they're going to, that they're going to improve running the ball this year. And I mean, let's be honest, it can't get much worse. <laughs> no, 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 it really can't. Um, I guess final thought before we move or kind of go to the next thing, I wanted to at least throw that out there for people that care about these kind of things. Uh, two former Penn State assistants getting new jobs in the NFL, John Donovan. I believe they're considering him a senior analyst for the Green Bay Packers. And then David Corley um, taking a job as the, I want to say, was the assistant quarterbacks coach at the Pittsburgh Steelers so uh, two guys that were kind of ran out of state college getting new jobs in the NFL yeah I mean Donovan you know I I, I don't want to be mean um, but it didn't really work out here and it didn't really work out at Washington um, maybe he could find a role though that's not as an offensive coordinator and find success and Corley was unfortunate um, because originally he was hired as a running backs coach. Um, and then I believe it, I, I believe he, I know he replaced Charles Hoff, but I think Josh Gaddis left and they brought in Jay Wan Sider, um, who was a highly regarded, uh, recruiter and coach and Jay Wan Sider co- ended up coaching the running backs and they moved Corley out to coach the receivers and David Corley came from Army. So we had coach from Army coaching the receivers. That's pretty much all you have so, to say. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think so Corley was in a rough spot. Right, I think Corley was a better coach than what was really given to him. 
Um, one other kind of thing that just kind of showed up on my feed as of right now was uh, good old Marcus Allen re-signing with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well as a, a one-year contract. So Marcus Allen, who I don't know if he's ever been healthy with the Steelers. I think he forced a fumble last year, actually, maybe. But anyway, he has re-signed with the Steelers as well. Um, yeah. Uh, other note, other notes about the practice. Um, more kicking news, I suppose. I guess both um, both kickers kind of, I guess in this last media session, both kicked the ball better. So I thought it was at least worth saying that both kickers kicked, kicked it better. I don't know if that competition is going to be uh, finalized anytime soon. I think that's going to be something that goes into the fall, maybe even the first couple games. So uh, I would expect that to change anytime soon. They mentioned Sean Clifford had an overthrow on Malik Mega. Um, and by they, I think that was 24-7. And I guess Yersich blamed Malik for not getting deep enough on the route. But anytime you hear an overthrow, I just I, I just kind of go back to, you know, Clifford's known for overthrowing things. So I guess I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, that's – we've seen that in this time. Um but sometimes, you know, not every bad pass, what appears to be a bad pass to us is on the quarterback either. Um, it's like it's similar dynamic as to like everybody blaming the offensive line when there's a sack. When a lot of times it's the quarterback's fault. Um, so it's hard to say. But yeah, let's, let's hope they can clean that up. <laughs> right. And then uh, one other thing, they had Daquan Hardy interviewed as well. And we're talking about what he can potentially do and how we both really like him. And um, maybe we'll see what Marcus Allen or Marcus Allen, uh, Marcus Wilson can do. Um, but Marquise Wilson, Jesus, Marcus Allen was just stuck in my name and my mouth. Um, see what he can potentially do at the corner safety position, whatever he m- might end up doing. Uh, but Hardy said, hey, Manny Diaz has some energy. And he's out there running around congratulating guys on tackles. So it kind of seems like Manny Diaz is fitting that energy, I guess, expectation that we thought he was going to bring in the Happy Valley. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's kind of what I think his defenses are going to try to be. And we, we should have mentioned this with Robinson. Like, he seems like a perfect fit in this defense. Just getting after the quarterback and... um you know, bringing that fire, bringing that juice that I think is really needed. I think you're going to see a more aggressive style defense uh, with uh, with Manny Diaz than you did with Brent Pry. And we all, you know, we all love Brent Pry. Um, but um, and I thought his best defense was last year's. Um, and it, I don't think it's a mistake that it was also probably his most aggressive defense. I'm curious if the blue white game this weekend is going to end up just being Manny Diaz just blitzing the hell out of the offense and the offense not really being able to get much going, especially if their offensive line, you know, they don't have a lot of pieces of that offensive line. I just, I just don't understand. I don't see any way we come out of the high scoring blue and white game this weekend. Well, I think we're all going to be very grateful that the quarterback cannot get hit because I agree with you. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of um, 
a lot of running for a lot of the quarterbacks running for their life because the offensive line's a little bit decimated right now. And, um, you know, it's part of the Manny Diaz defense to get after the quarterback. And I think they're going to keep things vanilla um, as much as they could. I don't think you'll see anything too exotic on either side of the ball, uh, you know, with different blitz packages or different things that you'll see on the offense or the different things that you'll see on the offensive side of the ball. Um, But I think just the nature of it, knowing the Jimmys and Joes that we have on the defensive side of the ball versus what there is on the offensive line. I think it's going to be a little bit of a mismatch, right? At this point in time. Yeah. And if you look back at most years, I think that's, you know, that's the case and it's nothing to freak out about or anything like that. I think you're breaking in a lot of receivers that haven't really been a strong Clifford that much outside of Washington and Lambert Smith. And so you want to get those guys some love. I don't think Sean Clifford's going to end up playing very much, but the guys behind him also haven't played very much. So it just kind of goes back to, okay, well, how are they going to really, you know, light up the scoreboard when they don't have that sort of chemistry uh, together? That being said, we talked about this couple, maybe two weeks ago, that when you think about this upcoming blue and white game, there are a lot of important positions to pay attention to obviously quarterback you know i think Veyu has the number two spot going into the fall unless something crazy happens i just think at the very least going into the summer and and the camp Veyu has the number two spot locked up but three and four is a battle whether or not people want to admit or not that's that's fine but Aller and prabula are going to battle for that spot and then the safety position is one we've talked about a lot was the key wheatley keaton ellis um and um, and why can't I think of the other guy's name? Jalen Reed. Thank you. Um, that's a big spot. And and very, at the very least, you're talking about being comfortable with the offensive line, at least moving into the fall. I feel more comfortable about the safety position and really the defensive backs as a whole a lot more than I probably did in January. Yeah, I do too, um, especially with how – uh, from what everybody is saying, including uh, James Franklin, with how Zaki Wheatley has uh, emerged. Um, and it's not easy to replace a guy like Jaquan Brisker, a guy that is one of the best safeties to ever play at Penn State. But I do think they're going to be able to reload there. And um, his partner, Jair Brown, I think he's going to be ready to take that mantle in the safety room. And uh, really, uh, I think he's going to ball out again this year. He already led the Big Ten in interceptions uh, from the from the safety spot last year. Um, and I think they're going to be able to find an adequate replacement for uh, Brisker. Right. And I just, it's about staying healthy now, right? I mean, we already had the one injury to Fisher. And I don't know if we talked enough about that and we should talk a little bit more. But losing Fisher stinks because everyone was kind of expecting him that this could be you know, the year where he could step up and at least add maybe 10 to 15 snaps at getting to the passer, just taking a little bit of pressure off of Isaac um, with him gone with the disclosed injury. Um, everyone else kind of has to step up a little bit. And it just imagine if something like that happens at the linebacker position or, or even the safety position. Now you start questioning whether or not you have enough depth um, to play in the Big Ten. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and he, he is a big loss because we were counting on him to be able to uh, take that next step and being, um, you know, pushing for a starting spot. Um, but that's that's life. I mean, that well, I shouldn't say that that that's football. Uh, you're going to have injuries um, and it's about being able to have guys behind them to step up. Um and I also want to see how the linebackers play because we've addressed the offensive line. We addressed uh, the uh, the new receivers coming in. Um, so knowing all of that, the linebackers should play pretty well in the blue-white game, right? I mean, you would assume that they'll it'll be a good opportunity for them to kind of show off what they can do because with the you know with with the linebackers, a lot of them are just young. Uh, Elson and Blood and, and and Kobe King, we don't really know how good they are because they haven't played much because they're so young. Um, and seeing how Sutherland adjusts the linebacker to playing linebacker is going to be interesting to see as well. I have a feeling that one of those guys is going to show up more than someone else, or at least that's what I think everyone's hoping for. I think someone is going to flash in the blue and white game that is a just moving a step or two before everyone else is getting to the ball before everyone else is just kind of being that guy maybe the ellis brooks ish vibe of just having his nose around the football i think someone is going to be that dude and is going to kind of take that step at least give themselves some sort of lead heading into the summer i don't know if that's going to be enough to hold on to it but i just have a feeling those guys you just mentioned somebody Somebody has to, I mean, obviously, but somebody is going to step up and, and may, I have a feeling it might be Elson just because I think he has a little bit more knowledge of the defense and, and, or I shouldn't even say of the specific defense, but of how to play defense and how to play middle linebacker at the college level and has a little bit more of the communication skills that we talked about previously. I think he has a, a slight, you know, a slightly, a, a little bit of a lead, and um, I think maybe you see him flying around the football, and maybe that's not enough. Maybe King comes back and he makes a, you know, ma- makes a huge competition out of this in the fall. Maybe Bud and you know finds a way to to sneak in there. The exciting part about the linebackers is when you have competition like this, everyone is going to be improving every day because they all know they have a legitimate chance of playing a lot of football come this fall. Absolutely. And I, I think you're I think you're right in that a lot of it when you're talking about evaluating young players and, you know, you're going to be playing, you're going to have to play young players um, if they're kind of equal. A lot of times you're going to go with the guy who um, has more of a command um, of the defense and um, is more uh, fundamentally sound because you're going to trust him to at least know his assignments and not blow the assignments. Because when you blow an assignment against Ohio State, uh, a lot of times you're giving up six points. So just being able to, especially when you're playing the Mike linebacker spot and you have to get that front seven set up correctly. And if they're not set up correctly, or if they're not in the right spot, or they're not reading their keys correctly, you know that's gonna that's gonna cost you big time in the game. 
So if it's close, they're probably going to go with the guy who's a little bit more uh, fundamentally sound. Right. And, and meds- yeah. And uh, has that mental aspect to, uh, to it. Are there any other positions you want to kind of talk about? I think kicker is going to be an interesting one. I'm not really focused on punting because I don't think punting is going to be decided um, in, until the fall. So I'm not truthfully, and I don't even know. I mean, you might see them actually punt, but obviously we're not going to see much of the return game um, and and probably till the first game. So I don't know how much we'll get to see of that. Uh, I, I think the tight end position, although we kind of know who the two top dogs are, are they going to be Bretton Strange or is it going to be Theo Johnson as kind of the number one guy? Or how do we see them being utilized early on knowing they want to get them the football more? So I think that will be interesting. And I think everyone is ready to see Nick Singleton and see what it's all about because everything we've heard now is he's got kind of that it factor, kind of that little bit difference. Maybe it's the burst. Maybe it's the twitch. I don't know what it is, but it seems like whatever it is, Nick Singleton has it. And I would, and I would say if you're a Penn State fan, you should expect to see a decent amount of Nick Singleton, maybe even some Catron Allen uh, this fall, but I would expect you'd see a lot of Singleton and Catron Allen come this weekend. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz around Nick Singleton right now, um, a lot. And there's a lot of good talk about Catron Allen too, but Singleton seems to be the guy that everybody just has is feeling really good about going into, you know, coming out of the spring now and uh, eventually going into the summer. So I'm very, very excited to see what he could do. Right, and I think we've mentioned this before. I mean, he pro- you know, he probably won't start, I think. Most of us would agree Kevon Lee probably has the starting job right now. Um, and also, I thought it was, I don't know if you noticed this, or Kevon Lee talked about how much he loves it up here. And it just kind of goes back to, we wouldn't have been that surprised three months ago if he would have left and went back to Florida to play for the school down there, just because we didn't know anywhere where all these guys stood. And... And maybe we see one of those guys transfer, but I would be very surprised if we see Kevon Lee being the guy that transfers at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not expecting Kevon Lee to transfer at this point, but I do think at some point you're going to see one of these guys leave. These are all, I think they were all four or five star guys. So they're all, uh, you, you talked a lot about uh, Franklin will typically only go after guys in the portal that he has some kind of prior relationship with. Well, Devin Ford and Keziah Holmes and uh, even Kevon Lee, like they all have really strong relationships uh, with different coaches at big time schools. So you have to imagine when one of them hits the portal, um, they're going to be able to get, they're going to garner a lot of attention. Yeah. And also I would add to that, I would be okay with, losing one guy if that meant we had one or two guys step up right like you're not gonna you could probably hold on to all of them if you played them all equally and our running game was just awful again but if you lose a Devin Ford but a Kevon Lee and a Nick Singleton step up and you have a one two like you're okay with that or you know if you lose Holmes um but Katron Allen steps up like that is worth it in the long run because right now obviously you can't have whatever you had last year because that didn't work Yeah, and even a year where we ran the ball well, uh, 2019, I mean, you probably remember when 
we first started the year in the first part of the year, it was kind of awkward at first because they were trying to give all the running backs sort of an equal amount of carries and didn't really let anybody get hot. And then eventually Noah Kane ended up taking the bull by the horns and then he got hurt and then Journey Brown replaced him. And we kind of just rode Journey Brown for the most part the rest of the year. And you might see something like that to start the year where it's sort of just back and forth between a few guys. And then finally somebody establishes themselves or, or two guys establish themselves as the as the backs. It'd be nice. It, w- it would be nice. So I think those are the things we're looking forward to the most. I think it's going to be a gorgeous day. Um, so you'll have that going for you guys. I know you'll be there in person, Sean. We'll have to have you take a picture or two once you get inside the stadium. Um, obviously, I won't be there. Uh, we were talking about a lot, I think, last year or maybe two years ago. We don't know if it was actually live. I believe it is live. I'm assuming at 11 Central, uh, noon Eastern. Um, it is, is it at noon? I think it's at two. Let me make okay. sure. Two o'clock, but two Eastern. Two, okay, so at two o'clock, two Eastern, one Central um, is the actual kick for that. And who knows what that is actually going to look like. But um, hopefully everyone enjoys their time there. Hopefully things start looking more and more normal. This will be the first blue and white weekend for a long time um, where it's all kind of relatively normal-ish. So hopefully you, people can enjoy it. Um I wanted to ask you, um, any success with honor update, Sean? Uh, still nothing. Yeah, still nothing. Um, I still have that. Um, oh wait, I am invited. Hold on. I was that... invited to stop by Suite Five Nineteen inside Medler Field at Lebrano Park. That's the um, baseball field. To hear from some of your favorite Penn State football players. Um, was that VS Success with Honor? Yes, this is from Success with Honor. Attendants must provide a confirmation email to verify subscription. Be sure to enter through the uh, Porter North parking lot and enter through Gate A. Uh, use on-site pay station. Um, there you go. So I have the opportunity to meet and greet with Sean Clifford, Parker Washington, and Jair Brown, and more. Awesome. So, and what that tells me is, hey. Penn State students are on board with success with honor. Mm-hmm. One way or another, who who knows how they bridge that gap or what the communication is or what it exactly entails. But very clearly, if they're using Penn State current players, um, you got something. And, hey, you, for only $5 a month, are going to have an opportunity to meet with Penn State current players. So, awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, we should probably talk, too, about uh, Sean Clifford is starting his own NIL. Um, yes, I was actually going to mention that, and I forgot, so I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, it's called Limitless NIL. Uh, looks like he's uh, doing it with uh, Aeneas Hawkins, who is a recent graduate. Uh, he played on the football team, uh, his brother, and then a few other guys that he met in school. Um, and it's their whole thing is it's for the players and by the players. Um, and... It's going to be interesting to see how all this works, um, what exactly what exactly they're going to be doing. Um, I just know it's one of the avenues that they're going to have for um, for some of the NIL athletes. It looks like they just signed somebody um, from Kentucky um, 
So there, it's going to be a national thing. It's not just going to be limited to Penn State. And I do want to mention, somebody did ask him specifically if that was one of the reasons why he came back, and he said no. So just anyone that thought maybe he's coming back just to make himself some money, um, that's not really how Sean Clifford is anyway. But if in case you're curious, no, that is not why he came back or one of the reasons why he came back. So, But now that is cool. Um, I think that is a smart thing, first of all. I think it's you kind of get into that same kind of conversation about what NFL players run into when they get a lot of money or they get a lot of exposure and a lot of them don't know how to deal with it properly. And it's hard, especially as a kid that doesn't know any better, to find good, solid, trustworthy advice from people. And a lot of the time, the agents and shit aren't the people that you should really uh, be trusting because they don't have your best interest um, in mind. And so I think it's good and different. And I don't want to call it, it almost kind of sounds like a union in a way. It's not really, but it, it, or maybe the better term would be players association, but it, it kind of feels more like a way for, hey, oh, you're doing this, how are you doing it? Or you're doing, you know, you're getting this, how how did you go about getting this sort of sponsorship or, or how, how do I make sure I'm not getting screwed here? And I think for, we talk about that for 19 to 23 year olds going to the NFL, well, now you're going to be talking to 17 and 18 year olds that are making a lot of money and have no idea what they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, they're going to be helping them navigate uh, just modern college football because it's changed so. And we've touched on this a few times now. It's changed so much just in the last few years. Like it's getting to the point that it's almost hard to ask, ask guys that were there 10 20 even 10 years ago like how it is in college football because nil is just a whole new layer uh the transfer portal is a whole new layer and it, it's it's confusing it's confusing for us so just imagine how it is for a wide-eyed eight, 18 year old uh, walking in um and i just want to say this about sean clifford too he is such a great ambassador for the university already and I know people are tough on him because of how, you know, his, his people are tough on him because of some of his play on the field. But man, he represents this university so, so well. And he's, I have no doubt about it that he's going to continue re- representing this university really, really well for the years to come. I, I understand why people get to be tough on him because he's a starting quarterback for Penn State. And I just go back to if he never got injured in the Iowa game, he was on pace for a really good season. He played really well in really important games. He looked really good in the Iowa game before he got hurt. And I know it's not fair to say, okay, well, that, but this is what happened. And I get that. But I don't think it's really fair to judge the rest of his season as if he was 100%. And by the way, there were moments in that Ohio State game, and I know he had that one really bad throw. I think it was maybe early fourth quarter, late third quarter that kind of finished it but he looked really good in that Ohio State game for a lot longer than I think people gave him credit for given the injury given there's no offensive line help given there's no running game um, against some of the best talent in the country so there were bright spots throughout it and I know there were some really bad spots but if Sean Clifford can be what he was early in the season and I know it wasn't in a trade competition I still played Auburn really well um I think people are going to be I, – I, I just think it's the last thing people remember, you know, 
is the bad stuff what happened at the end of the season, and I get it. And even the Arkansas game, he wasn't playing great. But I think there's potential there to be a more than above average quarterback. I don't want to say great. I, mean, I would say great. Not an elite, but I would say he has potential to be a great quarterback next season. Um limit the turnovers, and really take Penn State to the next level. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm saying as a guy with as good a character as he has shown, I really think he deserves the benefit of the doubt as we head into the season. Yeah, I think he could have a uh, really good season, and I, I I, agree. Like He was playing really well until he got hurt in the Iowa game. And God, even the Michigan State game in a blizzard, he he I thought he played pretty good uh against an eleven win team on the road. Um so I do That's a think, very good point. Yeah, I do think there's some room for growth there in year two uh with uh with Mike Yersich. And uh I know he loses Dotson, but I think as a collection of weapons, they're probably I think they're gonna be better this year at uh wide out and uh, hopefully a tight end. Yeah. And if you just think about if they can get any sort of running game and they can work the play action in, I think Sean Clifford goes from a decent quarterback to a really good quarterback because he has the arm strength to threaten you deep. And when he has time in the pocket, he looks really good. Yeah, I'm not – this isn't the Sean Clifford fan club, but I think – the way he orchestrates himself outside of the field and the, he's been here forever and he has earned the respect, the very least of the Penn state fans. And I think he is enough of a competitor where nobody wants to be better than, than he does. He wants to be the best version of himself more than anyone else does. Um, and I think that's an important quality to have as a Penn state quarterback. Yeah. And he has really, really, yeah. Like you said about his character, um, how many times do you see now nowadays, and not to be a back of my day type guy, but anymore, like he was, Sean Clifford was benched for Will Levis. And there wasn't any indication that he'd ever get back in. We, we really didn't know. Um, and he didn't complain. He didn't hit the portal. He just kept grinding. And granted, he was only benched for a game, but at the time, you don't really know if you're going to get back in. What if Will Levis played really well that day and won them the game? He might not have gotten back in. And at that point, he might have transferred. But some guys just jump the gun and they're gone as soon as as soon as they as soon as they're put on the bench. Um, and he came back and led Penn State uh, to, um, I think, four straight wins to end the 2020 season, uh, which was a disappointing season, but they still went and won games. Um, and then he was playing really, really well until the Iowa game happened. So I think he's a tough kid, and I really, really hope he could have a good year for, for Penn State this year. If you think about Trace McSorley and you take away the Big Ten championship and maybe take away the Ohio State win too, which I know is saying a lot, but just kind of go with me for a second. I think a lot of things Trace did 
were overlooked after he won that championship. He played hurt sometimes, and it kind of hurt the team sometimes. He he had some bad throws every once in a while. He, he you know there were things that he did that very much resemble what Clifford has done, and the reason why. McSorley is looked at differently right now in their careers or where they're at in their careers legacy wise is because of what McSorley did in 2016 um, and what could have been in 2017 and 2018. Um, I really think you could be in a situation where if Clifford, let's just say and be hypothetical here, goes on to have some great season gets them to the Big Ten championship. They win a Big Ten championship. You could make the argument that Clifford ends up with the better career um, if not just because McSorley maybe disappointed you after the 2016 and Clifford actually put it all together um, and left the program at a point where you just won a Big Ten championship and now you have the number one quarterback coming in and playing next year after sitting behind him for, for this last season. So there's a lot of potentially great ways for this whole story to end for Sean Clifford. And I think, I don't think people are realizing that that's out there. And I know you can look at and point at certain things and tell you why that's not going to happen. But I think there's also a lot of things, Sean, you could look at and say that that actually is a reason why this could happen. And I'm not saying they're going to win a big 10 championship, but I'm saying there's a, there's an avenue and a fairly realistic avenue that things end on a positive note for Sean Clifford, if he can stay healthy, um, that people aren't necessarily realizing. Yeah, and I mean, Trace was unbelievable uh, at Penn State. And I thought, even in, yeah, I, I kind of think the 2017 team was better than the 2016 team. Um, and they did come up short at Ohio State, and they didn't win the Big Ten. Um, I still thought McSorley was, I think he got better as a passer as he continued in his career. And in 2018, he did play hurt. And I kind of thought Tommy Stevens should have played some more than he did. Um, But getting back to Clifford, like the one that he's got two things that um, a lot of the other great, the the other quarterbacks that um, have, been successful here haven't done he hasn't done two he hasn't done two of the things he hasn't won the big 10 and he doesn't have a win against ohio state even if he doesn't win the big 10 this year if he could get that ohio state win i think it would be so huge for his legacy and probably very big for him as a person too to get that win against his home state school that didn't offer him i think that would be such a big thing for him and um, and his legacy, because the weird thing about him is he's still building his legacy. Um, and he's been this is going to be a sixth year and that's unprecedented. I agree with that a thousand percent. I think he gets that win over Ohio State. I, I really think you begin to look at him as one of the best. Uh, and I haven't read the story yet, but Audrey Snyder had an article on Zach Mills and kind of where you put Zach Mills in history of Penn State quarterbacks, and it's a kind of a good comparison. And I said I haven't read it yet, but it's a very good comparison on kind of where Clifford's at. And he has all of the opportunities in front of him. I mean, you get Ohio State at home this year. You know, you have a good opportunity for a good road win early in the season, not just at Purdue, but at Auburn as well. You have potential um, building blocks, stepping stones, if you will, that can give you momentum 
for the whole season if if you can capitalize on them and you have what we we would think would be a more comfortable offensive line with what we think will be at least somewhat more of a formidable running back room with what we think will be perhaps a little bit worse of a receiving group overall just because Jahan Dotson was so good, but maybe more diversified, including more experience at the tight end room than last season. So you have a really good opportunity. And and, oh, and, and by the way, you have an offensive coordinator and a quarterback's coach that's the same dude for two years in a row. So you have a lot of kind of things going for you as you head into your final stanza here at Penn State and an opportunity to kind of make your own mark and and, and leave it the way you want to. And I agree. You get the win over Ohio State, it doesn't matter if you, we come up short in a couple other avenues. And I think it would be disappointing if you beat Ohio State and you don't make it to the Big Ten Championship. But I agree with you when it's all said and done, based off of how many injuries he's had and the things that he's kind of had to overcome and, and COVID and everything like that. I mean, we've only beat Ohio State one time. And not just since Clifford's been there, but since Trace McSorley's been here. And to be honest with you, that's probably not good enough in Franklin's point in his career. And so I don't think Sean Clifford just needs to win against Ohio State. I think James Franklin, I think this Penn State staff, in order to continue to recruiting, uh, to recruit the way they are, need to find a way to get a win um, over Ohio State. Oh, no, no doubt about it. Like, and I hope fans listening don't take this the wrong way i'm almost tired of seeing the, the block kick like i'm tired of it now it happened when barack obama was president like it's almost time to stop talking about it i want to just beat them already as you could tell i'm, I'm very I, I feel a lot of ways about this and but one of the things that does make me optimistic is this is sean clifford's first time playing in front of a whiteout crowd against ohio state so maybe that puts us over the edge. Maybe. And I think they have the athletes to come. We saw last year, even when in, in situations where they weren't really supposed to be in that game, they found ways to be in that game. So um, I'm excited for it. And I think Blue and White Weekend is the beginning of whatever kind of legacy Clifford wants to lie. I know he's probably not going to play very much, if at all. But this is the beginning of his final, you know, ride, and he's got the opportunity, healthy, we presume, uh, to put kind of whatever finishing touches he wants on it. And I think that's an exciting opportunity for him, and I think he's done everything and deserves the opportunity to do so. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what they could do this year, um, and um, it all it all kind of starts uh, because after the blue white game. There's not much going on until until uh, summer camp starts, and then season's here. Uh, start on a Thursday this year. Right, and we'll uh, we'll get ready to cover. Well, Sean, I think we'll uh, we'll wrap this one up. We'll have more to talk about, especially your experience at the Blue and White game. Um, maybe if you go to that successful honor meet and greet as well, we'll. Uh, We'll see if you go to that and if you check it out, we'll maybe kind of hear how that went for you. But um, enjoy the weekend, my friend. Enjoy the nice, beautiful weather. I know they got some snow up there today, so hopefully that evaporates or melts away quickly. Um, and you have a good time. All right. Thanks so much, Corey. All right, All right man. Well, for hardcore Penn State football, this is Corey Lestokey and Sean Kane. Until, Until next time, time, I will talk to you all later. Peace out. out.